Well, good morning again. As you've been hearing throughout our order of service and as Annalisha read, today's sermon will be on the theme of rest, specifically on the, the theme of Sabbath rest. We are in the middle, or actually I should say we are at the very end of our sermon series that began this year entitled Gospel Rhythms. So pretty soon we'll have our incredible graphic showing on, on the, uh, the screen there. But the gospel rhythms, as we've been talking about, are these six core habits, these six core practices that are meant to train us and to shape our lives around living in God's grace and living on God's mission. These, these rhythms, these, these habits, these practices are meant to be a framework for us for following Jesus in our everyday lives, connecting Sunday to the Monday through Saturday of our lives. And it's my prayer. I know that we're still waiting. Are they up there? Oh, they're up there. I just can't see them on my screen. That's okay. Um, It's my prayer that these six things would become more and more a way of life for us and a way of life for me as a church. As we've gone through each of these, I've shared my thoughts a little bit on which one I think is maybe the easiest or the simplest for us to get started. I thought maybe give blessing is the one that for us might be the easiest to start off. And I shared last week the one that I think is the one that we feel the most guilty about, the most pressure when we talk about it. And that would be engaging others intentionally to help them move towards Jesus. Today we come to the last rhythm, and the one that I think out of all six of these is the hardest for us to establish as a rhythm of life, and the one that is probably the most countercultural of them all, and that's Sabbath. Establishing in our lives a Sabbath where we rest and worship regularly. I think that's the most difficult of all the rhythms, but I'm convinced that it is the key, I think, that unlocks the other practices in our lives. What if I said to you, I have a little prop for this, just so it sticks in your head. If I had a gift that I could give you, I said, I have this gift. And if you open this gift, if you receive this gift, then this gift will finally help you slow down in life and rest. This gift, if you open it, it will also help you break some of your unhealthy compulsions in life. It can set you free from from those. What have I said? Uh, This gift actually can replenish you. It can give you that delight that's so often elusive in your life. You're not just doing life, you're delighting in life. And on top of that, this gift can also reorient you can reorient your heart around God and around His values. The Bible says that the rhythm of Sabbath is such a gift, but so many of us refuse to open it. So I'm just going to put it over here. We can just look at that. The rhythm of Sabbathing regularly, weekly for rest. Jesus said, man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath, it was actually made for man. It's a gift 
that God has given to us. I want to look at four aspects of this gift of Sabbath. And you see them printed there for you on page five in your outline. First, God's rhythm of Sabbath. What is Sabbath, first of all? The word Sabbath in the Hebrew, it really just means to stop, to cease. Shabbat, it means to stop. It first appears in the book of Genesis where we see God's creative work of the entire universe is presented to us as happening in the six-in-one pattern. Six days he worked, and one day was a day of rest. We read that, and Alicia read that for us in Genesis 2. And so the foundation and the starting point for us practicing a rhythm of Sabbath is God's own rhythm of, of Sabbath that was established at the creation. And that means the six plus one rhythm. Six days of work, one day of rest is woven into the fabric of creation. It's just a part of how things are. So first we have to say about this six in one pattern that six days of work. Work is a good thing. Work is a very good thing. Work is to be like God, to work hard, to work with creativity, to work to bring blessing and good into the world. That is according to Genesis, what most of our lives are to be about. But that is not all our lives are to be about. There is one whole day, Genesis says, that is holy, that is different, that is set apart from all the other days. It's a day to stop, it's a day to rest and enjoy the fruit of our labors like God did. So the Sabbath appears next. After Genesis, it appears next in the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus. So we have the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. These are God's instructions for the blessed life, the beautiful life that he designed us to live. And the Sabbath appears in the fourth commandment there. So now we see Sabbath is not just one of many things that God has asked us to do. It's one of God's top ten priorities for the human race. In Exodus 20.11, I want to read that, and you can turn there with me if you'd like. It says, for in six days, after it, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God's Sabbath pattern in creation is pointed to as the basis for the fourth commandment, for us in the law. So Sabbath then is a part both of God's created order. It's the way that he created us to live. And it's repeated here in the Ten Commandments because it's a part of God's moral order. It's part of the created order. It's a part of the moral order of the universe. Now you might be asking, some of you saying, what about for Christians in the New Testament? Is it still valid? This is a big discussion that we could have, but I want to say a few things here about this. My short answer is yes, it is still valid. There are some things that have adjusted. The Jewish Sabbath was celebrated from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. With the resurrection of Jesus happening on the first day of the week, on Sunday, the practice of Sabbath has shifted to that day. And you think about Jesus and what he said about the Sabbath. Jesus never rejected the Sabbath. But he did work very hard to recover the Sabbath from its abuse. He intentionally, time and time again, chose to heal and bring life and restoration on Sabbath days. 
And the religious leaders had a problem with that. And the New Testament writers, when they speak about Sabbath, they talk about the freedom and how and when we observe Sabbath. But they never indicated that we are to cross it off the list of the Ten Commandments. So that's God's rhythm of Sabbath. If the six and one pattern is a part of God's created order, a part of God's moral order, and if it's a gift to us, then why do so many of us refuse to open it and keep it on the shelf? Let's talk about our refusal to Sabbath. I think almost all of us, to some degree, maybe we could do a show of hands, would say our lives are characterized by the big O's. We feel overscheduled, overcommitted, and overwhelmed. We are very busy people. It's been said before, but somewhere along the way in our culture, the default response to the default greeting, how are you doing, has changed, and now it's become, I'm busy. I'm really busy. It's been crazy, and it's been busy. And that's just what we say. That's just expected. It's encouraged. It's esteemed to be busy and to be productive. If you're not busy, then you just probably just say you are, just because you don't want to admit that you're not busy. There's a Washington Post journalist uh, named Bridget Schultz. And so she wrote this book. It became a New York Times bestseller. It's called Overwhelmed, How to Work, Love, and Play When No One Has the Time. And she said this. She said, we've made busyness almost like the price of admission for modern life. I thought that was a very interesting way to put it. If you want to be valued and participate in modern life, you've got to be busy. We've made busyness, she said, almost like the price of admission. We talk about it as a status symbol. If you're not doing anything, there's something wrong with you, you're a loser. So when people are not busy, they create it to fit in. Our culture right now is gearing us all toward a crazy, insane lifestyle that nobody wants. In a busy culture, it means we're always in a hurry. And I learned this week that there's something real called hurry sickness. I never knew this was a real thing. It's a psychological condition otherwise called excessive time urgency. It means you're always tied to the clock. It means you're always trying to do too many things at once. And I just have to say, as I was reflecting on this, I struggle with this. As we were thinking about this new life, this new adventure our family was going to embark on coming to Orange County, I thought, this will give us a good opportunity to establish a new rhythm of Sabbath to get out of the crazy, insane lifestyle of busyness that nobody wants and to reset. And so what I found is that this is very difficult. People ask me, Eric, you know, you're, you went from one type of role in a church and now you're in a different type of role. What has surprised you most about being in this role? And what I've been sharing with people is I thought that the craziness of life always running to the next thing and doing so much, I thought that was in large part due to the circumstances that I was living in. The church was growing, there was all these demands, there was all these things happening, so I thought this would be a refreshing pause from all that. But what I discovered in my own life is that it wasn't so much about everything happening around me. It was what was happening in here, that there was just a machine that had to keep going. And I found this very hard. And I have to confess, I refuse the gift of Sabbath. 
And so this message has hit me really hard this week. But when we complain about being busy, or when we boast about being busy, we often talk about it like it's something that's happening to us. So either we're boastful and we say, so many people need me, I am busy. Isn't that awesome? Or we feel like we're the victims of some busy force that has caught us up in its vortex. And we say, I'm just swept up in it, which is partially true. But we do have to take responsibility and ownership for why we participate in this culture of busyness. If it's crazy, if it's insane and nobody wants it, why do we keep going? Why are we so busy? And I think in large part, it's a question of where we derive our identity and sense of worth from. I think it's because our work is the primary place where we find our identity and worth in our modern culture. In a traditional society, for better or for worse, you found your identity and you found your worth in your family structure and in your place in the social system. But now in our modern world, we are left individually to construct our identity and build our worth. And the main way that we do that is through what we achieve, through what we produce, It's through our work. So the more that we work, the more worthy we feel. The more that we feel like we matter in the world, we are a somebody. When we first meet someone, we ask, what's your name? And then we follow that up and say, well, what do you do? Who you are is connected to what you do. And that... That works whether or not we are working full-time. It applies to all kinds of work. When we're talking about work, we're talking about paid and unpaid work. The work we do at our jobs, the work we do in our homes, the work we do in volunteering, the work we even do in church. We are looking often to justify ourselves by that work. So Sabbath then, when we hear about Sabbath, it can sound like a threat to our very identity, our very worth. One of my favorite authors on this is Peter Scazzaro. He says, Sabbath can be terrifying because doing nothing productive leaves us feeling vulnerable. Overworking hides these feelings of inadequacy or worthlessness, not just from others, but from ourselves. So God has a rhythm and a gift of Sabbath. We often refuse that gift, and we have to admit that refusal. But I think as we're talking about this, we also have to see what is it that we are refusing. We need to see the reasons why God has given us the gift of Sabbath in the first place. So I want to share four reasons, and they're going to be up there on the screen, why God has given us this gift. Reason number one is for our rest. God has given us the Sabbath so that we would stop and so that we would rest. And God wired that need for regular rest into our humanity so we would remember what we are, that we are human beings, not human doings. We are not what we do. So stopping to rest regularly gives us the opportunity to live in two key fundamental theological truths about the universe. We are human beings with limits, and God is God, sovereign and in control. When we rest and when we Sabbath, we are acting on that belief that God is God and I am not. God is in control. He doesn't need me to rule over the world. He doesn't need me to save the world. My work, our work, is never complete and never will be. My work, our work, is never perfect and it never will be. We can always do more. We can always do better. But in Sabbathing, we trust God for what we've left undone. 
and for what we've done that isn't perfect. But if we never Sabbath, we lose sight of these two things and we never rest. When we never rest, we violate our humanity and there are consequences to that. Think of it like a car. And Sabbath is the stop sign or the red light. In our culture's pace of busyness or hurry, we're going 70 miles per hour down the road. And then we see the stop sign. We're like, I'm going too fast. I have two choices now. I can slam on the brakes or I can just run it. If we slam on the brakes and we're going so fast, then I don't know how clean your cars are, but everything in your car is going to slide to the front and slam and you have to, I have to clean up this mess. Or you just run it. You just keep going. But what happens if you keep running stop signs and red lights? Eventually you'll crash. That's the choice of the Sabbath. We either hit the brakes and deal with the mess and deal with the feelings and deal with the angst of being unproductive or eventually we crash. There's a Saturday evening prayer in the book of daily prayer in the Anglican church. So this is the prayer to pray to prepare you for Sabbath. And I love this prayer. It says this. We give into your hands our unfinished tasks, our unsolved problems, and our unfulfilled hopes. That's a prayer you need to be able to stop. The reason, one, God gave a Sabbath for our rest. Two, he gave it for our release, our release from slavery. Deuteronomy 5, if you look at it again, it's, a re, it's in a repeat of the Ten Commandments from Exodus 20. And in the Sabbath command, it's almost exactly word for word repeated, except for one verse, verse 15. Look at that verse again with me. Look at verse 15. There it says, you shall remember not that God created the world in creation in six days and rested on the seventh. You shall remember you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Instead of pointing to creation as the reason for Sabbath, it points to the exodus and their release from slavery. In the, in the Jewish tradition, the celebration of Sabbath, often there will be two candles lit to mark the beginning of Sabbath. One is the creation candle, and one is the candle of redemption. I think that's a very powerful picture. Sabbath is a gift that God gives us to set us free from living in a slavery mindset. God is saying, you were a slave. You couldn't rest. Now you've been released. There is no thing, there is no one that is your master except for me. I am your Lord and master. And I tell you to rest. Under Egypt and under Pharaoh, it was never enough. You were always driven. You were only valued because of what you did. You were only valued because of what you could produce. So I give you one day a week that's dedicated to remembering I redeemed you because I valued you. Not for what you could do for me. Not for what you could produce. But because I valued you. You don't have to produce. You don't have to perform. You don't have to prove yourself. And that should be so freeing for us. Studies have shown that workaholism actually rewires our brain chemistry. 
We, want, we get on this adrenaline-busy addiction. We want more and more. And so if we stop, there are actually withdrawal symptoms to that stopping. And so we just keep going. Even if we aren't externally working, the internal machine, it just keeps going and going and we can't relax. It's why we can come back from vacation and be actually more exhausted than before we went. Is that true from anybody? There's a graph I saw, a pictorial representation of this. It was saying, here's how we try to rest. Work, 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 vacation. Work, 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 vacation. And it had this kind of flow, but it showed on the other side God's pattern. Work, Sabbath. Work, Sabbath. Work, Sabbath. Judith Shelovitz is a Jewish woman. She wrote a while back in the New York Times Magazine an article called Bring Back the Sabbath. And I want to share what she said. She said, for hundreds of years, it was firmly believed that only a Sabbath enforced through social legislation would keep society from sliding into a kind of unwitting slavery, protecting the vulnerable from the powerful and quashing the punitive, obsessive, compulsive who lurks within us all. There's a lot there that she's saying, and I want to highlight two things. She says, there are two ways Sabbath is for our release. Number one, she says, Sabbath is meant to keep us from becoming pharaohs over other people. It's meant to protect the vulnerable. Look at verse 14. There's the safeguard. It's not just for you. It's for your whole family. In the Old Testament context, it was for those who were servants, even those who were refugees, who were aliens in the land. And even for the animals, and there are other passages that say, and even for the land itself, it needs to rest. It needs to Sabbath. People and things have worth and value apart from their economic value and apart from what they do. The second reason she points to, I'm going to use her words, she says it releases us from the punitive, obsessive, compulsive taskmaster within. Do you have that taskmaster within? We could call it our inner Pharaoh, who's always telling us, it's not enough. That's not good enough. You can do more. You can do better. Keep going. That is an enslaving voice of shame. And Sabbath is God's weapon to use against that voice of shame. God has set you free. He is your only master, and he loves you apart from what you do and how well you do it. Reason number three, it's for our rest, it's for our release, and thirdly, it's for our replenishment. It's not just about stopping. Sabbath is about savoring life. And it's impossible to truly savor life unless we stop. Many of us can't remember the last time we just stopped to delight in God's good gifts to us. With no other agenda, there's no other purpose here except to delight. You look back at Genesis 2 and you ask, well, what was God doing on the seventh day? What did he do? It doesn't tell us exactly, but I think we can infer it from what it says happened on the other six days. Every time God created, every time he did something, he said, he saw it and it was good. He saw it and it was good. He saw it and it was good. And finally, on the sixth day, he saw it, it was very good. I think we can reasonably infer that on the seventh day, he just enjoyed all its goodness. And it wasn't just for him. It was an invitation for all of creation to join him in his joy 
in the good world that he made. There's a big difference between savoring a meal and devouring a meal. I don't know if you're a fast eater or a slow eater, but you've probably been around someone who was a devourer, and they eat so fast that it's actually kind of disgusting to watch them eat. I remember a lunch I had with another pastor. This was a long time ago, and he will remain anonymous. But we were eating lunch, and he had this salad, and I had this hamburger. And he was eating so fast. I'm like, man, he's eating fast. And I just kind of ate a couple bites of my hamburger, and his salad was gone. I was like, man, that's disgusting. (laughs) Even though it was a salad, it was gone. That's not enjoying a meal, to devour it like that. Sabbath is meant to slow us down so that we would savor the good gifts God has given to us so we would be replenished. As good as and important as work is, all kinds of work, it depletes us, and we need to be replenished. There is a story in Luke 6. This is Jesus, and he's in a home, and a man with a withered hand comes in, and the Pharisees are wondering, is he going to heal, them, heal this man because it's a Sabbath day? And Jesus asks him this question, and you think it's the easiest question in the world for the religious leaders to answer. He says, I want to ask you, as this man comes in, he wants to be healed, his hand is withered, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or evil, to save a life or to kill? Well, that's a pretty softball question for a religious leader. What should we do now? Should we kill? Should we do evil? Or should we do good and save? And Jesus, they don't answer him. The man stretches out his hand, and it's restored. That's a picture, I think, of the purpose of Sabbath. Here is something withered. And Jesus says, this day, this Sabbath day, it's going to be restored. Some of you feel withered, dried up, depleted. And I would submit to you that maybe you've forgotten what replenishes you. You've forgotten to stop and delight in the good gifts that God has given to you. So now we need to quote the cat in the hat. He has something very important to say about this. He said, it is fun to have fun, but you have to know how. And some of us, we've forgotten How to have fun, because we're not stopping. Reason number four, rest, release, replenish, and finally, recentering. Scholars note, the fourth commandment is like a hinge commandment. Uh, There are ten commandments, obviously, and the first three commandments speak to our love of God. There are two, two sides, two tables to the ten commandments. There's the God side and the neighbor side. And the first three speak to our love for God and the the next six to our love for neighbor. The fourth commandment actually speaks to both. It's the conclusion of the first three, and it looks ahead to the next six. The Sabbath is the carving into our lives, into our time, regular intervals so that the truth can hit us that we are not the center of the universe. God is. His great commandments, to love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love our neighbor as ourselves. In Exodus 20, 10, and Deuteronomy 5, 14, there's this phrase in there in both of those. It says, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. It's a day to the Lord. Before Sabbath is about what it can do for us, before it's about receiving all the benefits of Sabbath for us, 
It's a day that's directed to, to God. It's a day that's directed to the Lord. That's why it goes by another name, the Lord's Day. So that you and your schedule and your priorities and your plans, they are not ultimate. Theologian John Stott said, sin is essentially substituting ourselves for God. Sabbath is God's weekly intrusion into our lives to show us how we are doing that and to recenter our lives around Him in worship. Now you might say, the Lord's Day, every day is supposed to be the Lord's Day. Every day is a God day. Every day is a worship day. That's true, but what if I were to have a family meeting in the Kapoor household and we have our four boys and I say, gather around, we have an announcement, we are not celebrating birthdays anymore, those are ridiculous. I love you guys so much, you're so valuable, every day is your birthday. So every day we're going to celebrate everybody's birthday and it's going to be awesome that way. And they might be at first like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome, and we might keep it up for a couple days and doing something special, but pretty soon, every day would just kind of be the same. And their birthday would come and go and pass, and we say, every day is your birthday. It's all the same. You're so special. It's same spiritually for us. We need a day, God says. We need time. We need holy time. We need set-apart time in order for us to recenter our lives around Him in worship. So those are four reasons for Sabbath. And lastly, I want to look at how all this can come into our lives and help us to establish and practice a rhythm of Sabbath ourselves. How can we restore a regular rhythm of Sabbath to our lives? Is it even possible in our busy culture? Author Mark Buchanan, he has a great book on Sabbath called Rest of God. He says, you can only enter the Sabbath day if you first have a Sabbath heart. I think that's true. If you practice a Sabbath rhythm rhythm alone, even strictly, religiously, you say, I am going to do this. Look at all these good gifts. It cannot bring the benefits of Sabbath into our lives if we don't have a Sabbath heart. In Jesus' day, there were plenty of people who were diligent to keep the Sabbath. They regularly and religiously observed it. In Christian history, there's been many societies and many groups of people who have been so focused on what they should do and not do about the Sabbath. They were so devoted, so zealous to the rules of Sabbath, but they completely missed the reasons for and the benefits of the Sabbath. How could that be? Well, the reason that they were so zealous for the rules of the Sabbath are the same reasons why we persist in our refusal of the Sabbath. What drove them is the same thing that drives us. It's not about the work on the surface of their lives. It's about the work that's beneath the work. The work to prove ourselves, the work to perform, to build an identity, to prove our worth. Their identity and worth in Jesus' day was in their external religious performance and meeting the rules. Ours is in our achievements and in our productivity. The only way we can get a Sabbath heart is if we rest from the work beneath the work. And this is what the gospel brings us. There are two significant moments in the Bible when God says, it is finished. The work is done. 
We read about the first one in Genesis 2. In Genesis 2, 1, it says, The heavens and the earth were finished. The work was complete. It was done. Second time, the second significant moment is in John 19. Verse 28, Jesus, knowing all was now finished, said, I thirst. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Again, quoting from Peter Scazzaro, he says, Sabbath is the one day of the week I most believe and live out the fundamental truth of the gospel that I do nothing productive, and yet I am utterly loved. Our identity and worth is found in Jesus. We can't add to it. We can't take away from it. It is finished. On the cross we see Jesus has done the work that we couldn't do ourselves. And Jesus has covered up all our works that are incomplete, our refusal to Sabbath, all the ways we've sinned and fallen short. And it is finished. We are created by Him. We are redeemed by Him so we can rest from that work beneath the work. And so we can welcome, delight in, and establish a Sabbath rhythm in our lives. Before we close, just a few practical thoughts on this. If this has whet your appetite and you say, I'm going to try this, let me give you a few thoughts. I do believe that Sabbath may be the rhythm we most need to recover for the sake of our souls in our day and for the sake of our witness. That it is countercultural, that it is interesting, that it is attractive if a community can set aside time for these purposes. So, the first place to start, I would say, to Sabbath is just set apart time. It just has to be time, it has to be planned. Put it on the calendar, make a commitment, make it special, and make it different. Light candles, to do something you don't normally do to set that day apart. Secondly, I would say start very small. Yes, the scriptures give us a 24-hour period in this six-in-one pattern and rhythm. But if it's something that you struggle with, if it's something you've never had as a part of your life, I would say don't start with 24 hours, but work your way up. Start with an hour, start with a couple hours. Whether it's you or your family, set that time apart. Make it a time where you stop, where you rest from anything that's necessary. You delight in God and you delight in each other. I would say also that this Sabbath space opens up, opens up space in our lives for the other rhythms, to live these out in community, for prayer, for hospitality, for blessing others in need, for engaging the people in our lives intentionally. Sabbath is what can be a glue that brings the other rhythms into our lives. And lastly, I would say, do it with other people. Make it a contagious community practice. Experiment and try this out. As we transition now into communion, isn't it interesting that the, the one thing that Jesus gave us to do, he said, this is the thing you have to do as a church, as a community, is eat a meal together. And isn't a meal an incredible picture of the gospel, of the rest that we receive in the gospel, because we just come. We come open-handed. We come to be nourished, to be replenished. We come to receive. We don't come bringing anything to this table. We come to be reminded that it is finished, because the body of Christ was broken for us, and his blood was shed for us. This is where our identity and worth is found. One last quote 
from a scholar, Walter Brueggemann. He said, the giving of bread in Eucharist is a gift, is the quintessential center of the notion of Sabbath rest in the Christian tradition. It is a gift we receive in gratitude. Imagine having a sacrament named thanks. We are on the receiving end without accomplishment, achievement, or qualification. It is a gift, and we are grateful. Amen. Let us be grateful and receive the gift. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, I am convicted this is a difficult practice for us. We see it's a part of the way you made the world. We see it's a part of your Ten Commandments, and yet we struggle, we resist, we often refuse this gift of Sabbath. I pray this morning that you would convict us the ways that we are trying to prove ourselves, the ways we are looking to perform, to build an identity, to show our worth. And I pray even now, even in the act of seeing the body broken, the blood shed, and the bread and the wine, even in the act of coming forward empty-handed, even in the act of coming with faith to rest and receive in Jesus alone for our salvation, that you would invade our hearts with true rest and that we would experience and taste the beauty of those words, that it really is finished. May we rejoice in that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.